Hi, I'm Michelle, and I'm... Wait, am I the straight-laced psychotherapist? I thought I was going to be the unconventional hypnotherapist, and you were going to be the super serious trauma specialist. No, you were going to be the relationship expert. Like, love expert. And you're going to be the specialist who guides people with down-to-earth techniques for transmuting trauma? Yeah, yeah, that's me. Okay, good. I'll be the love expert. I mean, I am the love expert. I think we have this all sorted out. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light, and this is Holding Ground. Today and every Monday, we've got a little bit of everything for you. Shall we? Yeah, let's do this. Good morning. This is Holding Ground, and I'm Laura Richer, founder and relationship expert at Anchor Light Therapy in Seattle, Washington. And I am here with my lovely co-host, Michelle Mooney, who is also a therapist at Anchor Light. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Laura. I'd like to throw in there that you're also lovely. Yes, and our listeners are lovely. Yes. (laughs) So we are here live on 1150 AM Talk Radio, and you can also find past episodes at our website, anchorlighttherapy.com or on the KKNW website. So we have a very heavy, serious topic for today, but I think it's very relevant in these times. So today Mm -hmm. we are going to be talking about grief primarily and also trauma. So Michelle, Mm -hmm. who is our trauma expert, tell us a little bit about the relationship between grief and trauma, just something light this Monday morning. Just a little light trauma. (laughs) (laughs) A little light grief. Um, So grief can actually be fueled by trauma. So, um, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more later, but traumatic events can cause us to feel a real sense of loss. And also certain kinds of grief can lead to trauma. So Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we understand one can feed into the other. Yes. So grief is really just the sense that we experience, the emotion that we experience after a loss. Mm -hmm. And grief and trauma don't always go together. There are a lot of times when we have grief present in our lives, which is just a normal part of the human experience. And so there can be some examples of that, such as um, retiring from a long, fulfilling, successful career, or or when your children leave the nest and go to college, or even with the passing of a loved one who has had a long life well lived and it, and it's in its time right mm-hmm. there's still you aren't traumatized necessarily by those experiences but you will experience a sense of loss and mm-hmm. grief and and that's part of the normal human experience yeah and we'll talk more about some actual traumatic events that can really trigger grief in a little bit here so um yeah so maybe we should start looking closely at some more clear definitions of these terms yes because i think sometimes people grief. confuse them yep yeah so so what do you think, Michelle? Can you give us a good definition here of trauma versus grief? Yeah. So we often say that trauma, you know, is an emotional and physical event. Um, so it's essentially a psychological wound. Like we cut our arms, right? Um, physical wound, trauma creates a psychological wound in our brain. So any event that yields any physical, psychological, mental, or emotional pain or injury um, can lead to loss, which can prompt grief. So trauma, uh, a traumatic event, again, could be phys- physical abuse. It could be a death. Traumatic event could be an uncomfortable argument that that escalates and can become really damaging and end of relationship um, again losing somebody and also it's important to note there can be private grief and there can be public grief so let's say in trauma um, so you know if we have a public trauma maybe something that you know a car accident or something where there's a lot of people around to witness it or maybe getting yelled at by your partner in a busy store um, but um, private br- grief can also be you know something that we're just struggling with internally maybe somebody lost a family member, something like that. So talking more about other kinds of grief, again, grief over the loss of a relationship, a job, over lost opportunities. I really think that's an important one. Um, so when we go through a bad relationship, we may have a lost opportunity around finding a healthy one, and that can prop grief. So that is a really important one, I think, to touch on that um, I, I when I'm working with clients who come to the end of a relationship, a lot of the grief that they're experiencing is not even about what happened in that specific relationship, but the 
the the death I always refer to it as the death of the dream the dream that you had for that relationship you're yeah. really grieving something that didn't actually happen but that's just as profound as if it was an event that actually happened yeah yeah or you know what exactly what you're talking about the death of a dream so maybe looking back on our lives we think oh god I wish I would have gone to college I mm-hmm. wish I would have gotten that degree um, or infidelity right why did this person go beyond me for connection mm-hmm. so all kinds of lost opportunities all kinds of grief that maybe we don't really think about often so um you know and also a person might not know to label it as grief like Mm -hmm. oh this loss that I feel around not going to college or loss opportunity around a relationship that's that's grief so um so we really want to we want to take the opportunity in this episode to normalize grief because grief is part of the human experience Mm -hmm. we as human beings we are here to experience the whole uh, spectrum of emotions from positive to negative and that we will have grief in our lives no one is no one will avoid that experience yeah yeah um and that and then that's okay and sometimes it's a very appropriate to grieve and to allow yourself to feel those those feelings of sadness those feelings of loss we just don't want to get stuck there or allow that grief to to evolve into trauma yeah yeah. And I think an important one, um, we've kind of touched on this in other episodes, but um, there's a lot of loss over normalcy right now. And mm-hmm. that can cause grief. Like, oh, my life used to look like this. I was supposed to get married this summer. All these things is triggering more loss, which triggers more grief. So a lot of people are going through this right now. It mm-hmm. could be a traumatic event, right? Like, oh, my gosh, my entire world was ripped out from under me. Yep. Where do I move from here? So, again, trauma is adverse life experiences. It doesn't have to be how we traditionally think of trauma because that's not accurate. And that was why we felt it was so important to do this show today because collectively we are all grieving something. And again, to varying degrees, some of us could be actually grieving the loss of a loved one. Um, Some of us are just grieving the loss of our normal routine that we don't get to go into the office and see our friends, that we can't have our summer vacations. And that, you know, Maybe we're not supposed to feel so great about that. Maybe it's okay to acknowledge that, yeah, this is this is it a loss. Yeah. yeah, I don't get this thing. Or, you know, again, the death of a dream, mm-hmm. right? What we were supposed to do, what our plans were. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and sometimes that can have a, a significant impact on us, and we don't even realize that that's what's happening. But that's what's coming up for a lot of people right now is, mm-hmm. is grief. Mm-hmm. So I like what writer uh, Glennon Melton Doyle has to say about grief in her book, Love Warrior. I think this is such a great way to put, to describe healthy grief. Mm -hmm. So grief is love's souvenir. It's our proof that we once loved. Grief is the receipt we wave in the air that says to the world, look, love was once mine. I love well. Here's my proof that I paid the price. Isn't that a beautiful quote? I know. I'm feeling myself tearing up. I've I've seen something similar. Like, grief is the last act of love Mm -hmm. that we can give to somebody, right? And I think there's a lot of, I have to heal this. I have to heal this. If you're not feeling, you know, if you're quickly over that grief, if you're not acknowledging that grief, like, acknowledging it is like, wow, I really loved this person. Yes. Yeah. Or this job. Or the situation. Or the situation. Mm -hmm. Or the dream that I had. And so there's nothing, I think sometimes people... Uh, want to say, you know, well, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that old saying, um, and move <laughs> on and get over it. Just yeah. don't be sad anymore. Yeah. What's gone is gone. Yeah. You know, all that bad advice. That yeah. And, you know, and at some point, again, we don't want to be stuck in grief, but especially when we're talking about mourning a loved one, you know, there's going to be mm-hmm. weeks, months, years that you will be in that grieving process. And that that is just a reminder of how much you loved that person. So, mm-hmm. This is healthy grief, but we're going to be talking a little bit more about traumatic grief and yeah. when you need to, when you might need to seek the help of someone to move past it. Absolutely. So that is going to take us into our first break. Thank you so much for listening to Holy Ground. We will be right back. Alternative Talk 1150 is your sports organization's safe bet when it comes to airing your team's games. Our players are all seasoned professionals when it comes to sports programming. Imagine your games being heard on local radio. Your team deserves the MVP treatment. Call 425-653-1150 today to learn how affordable and fun it is to broadcast your games on the radio. Call 425-653-1150 and make your next season something special. That's 425-653-1150. I can't believe we have to make this commercial. It's ridiculous. You'll think it's ridiculous too. Listen to this. This commercial is about, well, 
It's about parents being rude at high school athletic events. Ridiculous, right? It gets worse. Studies show more than 75% of new high school officials are quitting because of bad adult behavior. So now there's a shortage of refs here in Washington in almost all sports. No officials means no more games. Is that what you want for us? Come on, parents. It's time to grow up. Cheer for your team. Be proud of your children. But stop being so ridiculous. And don't make us run another commercial. Because we will. This message presented by the Washington Interscholastic Activities Association and the Washington State Secondary Athletic Administrators Association, reminding you to always practice good sportsmanship. Thanks for tuning into our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Be sure to support the sponsors of your favorite shows on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Holding Ground. This is Laura Richer. I'm the founder of Anchor Light Therapy in Seattle, Washington. And I am here every Monday morning with my co-host, Michelle Mooney, who also is a therapist at Anchor Light and our resident trauma specialist. And today we're talking all about grief. And it's not something that happens just after death. It's something that impacts pretty much every aspect of our life, or it mm-hmm. can. Yeah. And so we're going to dive a little deeper into that today. Yeah, so um, we started the first segment around talking about the connection between emotional trauma and grief. So it's hard to know sometimes where one begins and one ends, right? So like we are talking about, one can cause the other. So definitely can be a, a cycle. So I recently actually made a list of blog posts around mm. some of this on our website. Yes. I, I don't know if you got the chance to read all those yet, I, uh, Laura. I but, did, uh, <laughs> and I think everybody should read them. Go to angerlighttherapy.com because we have a lot of really good information there. Yeah, click on the blog tab, and there it is. So Laura also writes beautiful ones. but <laughs> um, so And it includes a lot a list of very uh, common emotional traumas that can cause grief. So remember, grief is an emotion that follows the loss of an inherent traumatic event. And this can show up and um, and help us identify grief beyond the loss of a loved one. And not that we want to skim over the loss of a loved one um, or the loss of a beloved pet, let's say, for example. And I think it's in the terms of loss, losing a loved one, right, it doesn't always just have to be like, okay, that person died and it's really sad. It's what can actually come after that, mm-hmm. too. So let's say your support system isn't witnessing your grief, allowing you to express that grief, like invalidating kind of like, well, this is you know, we just have to focus on the plans or I've even seen things like um, kind of things like money and like who gets what asset can really be disruptive. So it's like this yes. kind of like continual process. So it's not just the lo- loss of the loved one. You know, um, I yeah. used to um, volunteer for hospice when I lived in uh, Phoenix, Arizona, oh, okay. and we did a training around grief when I was doing that. And one thing that they talked about that has always stayed with me is that sometimes for people, the second year after a loss can be more pain, more difficult than the first because right. in the first year, everyone's still checking in on you. Everyone else is probably doing their own grieving process of people around you in your lives. But like say you've lost a uh, your partner, for example, somebody who's part of your everyday experience. Yeah. And then, then everybody else has kind of moved on a little bit and maybe they're not checking in on you as much. And like yeah. your grief is still very present and that mm-hmm. can trigger even more grief yeah yeah so if you're trying to help somebody through this again just witnessing it allow them to go through the process mm-hmm. hey i know you're having a hard time and allowing them to express and you know feel whatever it is they're feeling regardless of where the source of this grief is right because when we start shutting people down you're behaving the wrong way or you shouldn't be feeling that anymore yeah. or like you said disappearing in that second year right so, mm-hmm. yeah and if you're going through that process just knowing a lot of times another common thing that people will say to me after a death or a divorce is like, why am I not over this yet? Mm. It's, you know, it's year two, it's year three. Well, the grieving process, unfortunately, takes as long as it's going to take. We don't get to control that. And if you've experienced a significant loss, it's natural that you feel desperate sometimes to be moved through it and be done with it. But sometimes that can, I think, delay your process and even Mm -hmm. make it worse. And so just allowing and accepting that this is where I'm at, this is what's happening right now can be really helpful. And again, it just... It takes the amount of time that it's going to take. 
like trying not to set parameters for yourself. I see that all the time too. Like I should be over this by now. It happened 20 years ago, but kind of like what we're talking about in the first segment is, you know, love is that kind of like our grief is that receipt of love, right? It's, it's this, I mean, if you lose a partner, like suddenly, if you lose a parent suddenly, there's going to be that hole there and trying Mm -hmm. to close that up. I mean, that person's always going to be gone. So not saying you're going to be sad and miserable and in bed for the rest of your life, but you know, in a way it's actually honoring that person too. Like you don't want all of that to disappear. It's a way of honoring a positive experience you may have had, a mentor, a great job, all of that, you know, loss can really stick with us. Yeah, and then that's okay. Like, and you make a very good point with this, the like the loss of a loved one. You know, that's going to stay with you for the rest of your life. And you might not be in an acute state of grieving where you're not eating, you're not sleeping, but it could be 5, 10, 30 years down the road and you are still feeling the loss of that person. And that's actually a normal mm-hmm. response. And so to try to avoid that or to shame yourself for not being over it, you know, that that isn't going to be helpful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And knowing uh, there can be grief along the way, too. Like, this person isn't going to see me get married. This person isn't, isn't going to see me, like, yeah. make advances in my career. That sort of thing can really just, it can crop up, right? And that's right. that love. I really wish, you know, my mom or dad could be here and walk me down the aisle or whatever it is. Right. So, yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, we talk about getting stuck in grief, which is what we don't want to do. We want to allow for grieving, but we want we don't want to be stuck in a place where we're, we're, we're not able to, to function in our lives. And I think sometimes resisting the normal process of grief is what's going to cause that to happen. So fighting against it actually keeps you in the place that you don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So kind of jumping in now to what can be some more traumatic uh, events um, around grief. So um, we're going to start today with verbal abuse. So being name called, being screamed at, having ugly put downs hurled at you, verbal abuse can definitely be a traumatic event. So it can happen anywhere at home. It can happen at work. It could be at the supermarket. Um, so we were talking last week actually about, um, you know, these things being a lasting impact. These things are, you know, in some way a lost opportunity a lost relationship the way we wanted it to be so verbal abuse can be very grief inducing yes and so the with and this is the connection between grief and trauma so verbal abuse can be traumatic and it can also trigger a sense of grief so an example of that um, that I've seen with clients over the years is I had an abusive childhood and Mm -hmm. so that's traumatic Mm -hmm. I had a parent who didn't support me or love me there's grief that comes with that there's this sense of loss that what should have been there wasn't there the dream I had for the parent-child relationship actually didn't exist or didn't exist in the way that I would have wanted it to and so so the trauma could be that scar that's left there but there's also a healthy natural grieving process that you might go through when you're processing that experience yes absolutely yeah so but you know when we're talking about what kind of grief is going to what the the sense of loss is when you're being like verbally attacked or when you're part of a global pandemic, as we keep referring to in our yeah. shows, since that's so relevant right now, mm-hmm. um, you you may have a loss of safety. You believe mm-hmm. that it's safe for me to go to the grocery store and now somebody has like assaulted me there. Now yeah. I'm not I, I what half, I believe to be very safe no longer feels safe to me at all. Yeah. Half yeah. the people aren't wearing masks or whatever. It yeah. Is. So. Um, you know, with the verbal abuse, name calling, kind of going back to that, the biggest loss that can kind of come out of that is our loss of self-identity, who we are. If this person is calling me an idiot, am I really that kind of person, mm-hmm. like causing us to kind of question? So I didn't realize that about myself before, so it must be true. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's somebody like a parent or teacher mm-hmm. or somebody so- who's you. supposed to have a mentor, yes. given role. Yep. yep, exactly. So... Grieving the loss of safety, I think that is so relevant right now because we used to believe that we could go out in the world without getting sick, and mm-hmm. now that's a new thought that we weren't dealing with before. Mm-hmm. And so there is grief around the loss of the normal, air quotes, normal way of doing things. When are things going to be normal mm-hmm. again? Don't you hear a lot of people say that? Yeah, and I, that's a really good point because it's not just this loss of maybe a job, or not to say just the loss, but... Um, focusing on other things like so our safety right like you're saying if I go out and do these things um, am I going to be protected are the people going to look out for me wear their masks that sort of thing so yeah that loss of 
just feeling safe when we leave the house. There's that heightened awareness now mm-hmm. that this might not be the s- safest thing I need, you know, to do. But I also need to buy groceries, you yeah. know, <laughs> like having to balance that stuff. Right. right. And, and feeling like I could be putting myself in harm's way right now. So, again, that loss of feeling that we're safe. So and we talk a lot about in therapy when somebody is grieving a loss of adjusting to a new normal that mm-hmm. we we we're grieving what was our normal life prior to this event. We're mm-hmm. grieving the idea that we used to just be able to go out in the world and buy groceries and not think about getting sick. And now that's not what we're dealing with. But part of the process of, of healing is accepting that we we can feel bad, we can mm-hmm. feel sad for that loss, but at the same time, we have the capacity to adjust to a new normal. And yeah. our new normal for the time being is, you know, wearing masks or Whatever, whatever, hand sanitizer, whatever we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that you keep using that word adjustment because there's something I kind of want to touch on real quick is we think about, okay, grief, this leads to, you know, long term depression. It can lead towards long term anxiety. Right. I'm always going to be feeling this way. I'm really sad. Um, There's actually a lot of people don't know about this. um, Let's say mental illness. I don't like using the word diagnosis, diagnosis, illness or whatever. Um, But there's an experience called adjustment disorder. Mm -hmm. So basically something really terrible just happened that can cause instances of depression, anxiety, that sort of thing. But once you start to adjust more, once the maybe grief or like that initial like really bad reaction can kind of wear off, that's a temporary kind of like in-between thing. So you're not going to have like major depressive disorder the rest of your life maybe. Right. But you're going to have these symptoms for a little bit, and that's adjustment disorder. I would love to ask an insurance claims manager like what the (laughs) increase of adjustment disorder is coming through on claims because that's something that's being very uh, Mm – that is being diagnosed, I'm sure, at a much higher rate than before. But you're just – when you have adjustment disorder, you are – and I'm not a huge fan of diagnosis, but we need a framework to work with. We need a language, right? And that's what Yeah, so it's not that you are a certain diagnosis. You're a sick person or whatever it is. You're a person experiencing depression. You're a person experiencing adjustment disorder. So remembering that person-first language, right? Yeah. I'm not anxious. I'm not depressed. I'm a person who has the experience of being depressed. Yes, exactly. And that it's, you know, it's just like I'm not a cold. I might have a cold. I'm I, I, like, yeah. perfect, <laughs> yeah. right? So it's the same thing. Anyway, that I get off my uh, kind of uh, where I was at here. So with a higher level of, and no two people are having the same experience with adjustment mm-hmm. disorder. It shows up differently for mm-hmm. different people. But yep. what that is, is that we're not able to process all the grief that we're experiencing. And mm-hmm. so we kind of just start to shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. Um, so switching gears a little bit, the next uh, form of grief is working for a toxic boss. So being constantly questioned, being undermined, being ignored, being overworked, this loss of work-life balance, this loss of feeling appreciated at work, the loss of having a job that's meaningful to you. So this can really affect and so a Michelle, lot of people. I just wonder, why Uh-oh. did you mention a toxic <laughs> boss in this episode? Well, um, I didn't want to tell you in private, um, but yeah, we're, we should get I, it on the air. Yeah, maybe we need some couples therapy <laughs> to kind of iron this out. But yeah, uh, I definitely wanted to call that out for uh, personal reasons. Yes. <laughs> so toxic boss. Wow. I just I've worked with so many people who have mm-hmm. had these types of experiences. I when I worked in a corporate environment, had some experiences that felt very toxic to me um, and it kind of is the the sense that you are are not in control of your own life that you can't do anything right that you mm-hmm. are trapped I mean that for me that's what kept me in a toxic work environment for years is I didn't think I had any other options mm-hmm. yeah that I think this word gets thrown around a lot and it's really important micromanaging right mm-hmm. that's a boss that you're out there, you're doing what you think is right for your job, and then they come over your shoulder. I was giving this example earlier to Laura. I used to be a graphic designer and marketing person in my previous life. And, you know, someone would lead over my shoulder. I could just created this piece that I was really proud of, and they're like, no, you need to move that, and this should be yellow, and why, are, you know, why aren't there stripes and all of that? So, like, questioning what your creative aspect is, questioning how you wrote a report, questioning, you know, anything that you're doing mm-hmm. um, can really – weigh you down and that can be again a sense of trauma in a way and that can be a sense of grief like oh my gosh my career is just not what I thought it would be and I think most of us when we start a new job not always but a lot of times especially if it's a career we've been preparing for in school for a number of years Mm -hmm. we're really excited we're like wow I'm finally getting to do the work that I meant to do and 
and I'm going to make a big contribution and I have this sense of myself as being part of this world. And then you go into an environment where it's never enough. You're not mm-hmm. good enough. Nothing's yep. right. The way your creativity isn't the way that it should be done. Clearly, this should have been yellow. What were you thinking? Yeah. That really, I mean, there is a sense of loss for this dream yeah. that we had for what our career was going yep. to be. Yeah. yeah. Being constantly told it's wrong. It's just, yeah, it creates that questioning for ourselves. So. I think the next one's really important. Um, we're seeing there's a lot more attention around this. I don't want to say we're seeing more of this, but there's a lot more ways that this can exist, and that's bullying. So, um, lots of times this is ongoing. It can be a one-time thing, of course, all, you know, as well. But you know, essentially, someone's intimidating you. Somebody's trying to get some sort of control or jab at you, um, coercing you, taunting you. Um, someone, you know, a lot of people don't think of this as bullying, but like stalking you, um, keeping an eye on you, right? That's the constant ongoing thing. So, um, and, you know, again, this is happening in the real world. It's happening in our schools, but it's also happening on social media. That's a huge one, that bullying. Um, so that obviously is a very traumatic event, no matter how old you are, no matter, you know, the situation that's prompting that um can create grief too like oh this is what high school is like Mm -hmm. this is what you know you know my friendship experience is like this is what growing up and identifying a personal personality for yourself and what you're interested in and then again it's like kind of that questioning piece you're just put down grief over loss of safety if Mm -hmm. this person is telling me i'm going to come kick you in the butt every day after Mm -hmm. school right you you feel you know, I'm not safe anymore. Yeah. And there's a loss around that. You know, and I think that we we often think about of bullying in terms of children and like the schoolyard bully and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it shows up in adult life just as much as it shows up in childhood. Um, hopefully not in such obvious ways, but like the toxic boss often that is a, an a experience bully. being bullied. Yeah. I hear stories of people in relationships that they're being bullied by their partners. I mean, even like you said, online, even people that they barely know, maybe they know them from online dating or, or you know, different ways that you wouldn't imagine would be super impactful can have actually a big impact of somebody trying to, to devalue you and, 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 take away your self-esteem, which is, as I have mentioned in previous episodes, self-esteem is pretty much what I work on with everybody in my practice because it is so bullying, especially childhood bullying, that I've worked with clients in their 50s, 60s who are still dealing with the aftermath and grief of being bullied as a child. Mm -hmm. I, a personal example, I would never say I was like really bullied, but I definitely was kind of on the, you know, not super popular team. And I remember there was this second grade I was really... We got our photos back, right? Because back then it was like printed out and we had to wait for like several weeks to get the photos and then they come in. And I was kind of, I was actually happy with it. And again, second grade, I was eight and this boy was like, look at your freckles. Oh. And like, I've always kind of since then been like aware of my freckles and like that sort of thing. But anyway, yeah. Um, maybe and one day so- I'll have loss over my freckles. That would be great. <laughs> no, I actually like them now. But, um, and I think another one to point out, like right now we're really focusing on like the bullying and intimidation from law enforcement from Mm -hmm. you know for you know uh particular population so um it's just a much wider lens so like you're saying it can be in high school it can be in school but it also can continue throughout life depending on your identity that sort of thing so yeah a lot of bullying around you know sexual identity gender identity all of that is very prevalent even on the world stage we're seeing politicians bully each other and that's what we see on the news yeah i haven't noticed yeah yeah Yeah, good point. So good point. the and so again, that's that feeling, that loss of safety, that loss of freedom, that loss of being able to be who you are in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a sadness that mm-hmm. that comes with that. I'm not allowed to be who I am, or there's mm-hmm. something that is that is wrong with that, and that that, so, that can yeah. trigger trauma as well as grief. Yeah, yeah. So that feeling of I'm bad in some way, right? Um, so the next one we have, I think is very, we also hear this word a lot now in pop culture and there's a lot of, sometimes some misunderstanding about this, but what can cause grief, what can cause trauma is gaslighting. Mm. So feeling, uh, the feeling of gaslighting is just like you, you can again, completely lose your sense of identity. You start to question things because your partner, whoever it is that it's gaslighting you, parents can do this, bosses can do this, right? So dismissal of things that are real can cause us to feel crazy, you know, like, oh, no, that didn't happen. Or you're being uh, irrational or, you know, um, you know, overreacting. So, again, that loss of self. And there's a lot of 
again, of, you know, hope of maybe a healthy partner. Um, and learning this is a grieving process on its own. So therapy can really help you identify this and work through that grief. Um, and we can also teach positive coping skills. So so gaslighting is a, is definitely a, a t- term that I don't think was well known maybe a year ago. A I mean, years, years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, everyone, you know, because everyone's talking about narcissistic personality and narcissists and um and narcissistic personality is an actual DSM diagnosis. However, not everybody's ex is a narcissist, even though you might think that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that common one, like, oh, they're in love with themselves, so they must be a narcissist. Well, there's a lot more that goes into a lot more specific behaviors, and there can definitely be traits. We yeah. talk about that a lot. There can be traits of specific, you know, pathological um, diagnoses, right? So maybe your partner had one or two traits, usually just a little side note here, the DSM requires you like to have like nine out of 10 or something like right. that. So it's not just one trait and like, oh, yep, he's a narcissist, even right. though it definitely can feel that way. It can feel that way. And yep. you know what? We all have traits of different personality or disorders at different times in our lives. Um, so but that doesn't mean that, that that you necessarily have a personality disorder. That's a much more serious condition mm-hmm. that we should probably talk about that on another show. I was going to say, I think we have an upcoming show about that okay. sometime in the future. We're not going to promise anything. No. <laughs> um, we don't know what day, but it's coming yeah. at some point. So, but but to you know, I I have worked with people who have genuinely been in relationship with people who have um, personality disorders and yeah. or parents who have personality disorders, mm-hmm. and the gaslighting that happens does cause triggers an emotional response of fear and trauma and grief, yeah. and there is when that relationship finally ends, there is a significant sense of loss, even though you realize that maybe that you had a toxic interaction with somebody who was gaslighting you and telling you that your experience wasn't true Mm -hmm. there is still a a, a trauma that lingers from that about learning to trust yourself again and learning to trust your own perceptions learning how to identify who you are Mm -hmm. because that could have just been shut down your whole life and that kind of um segues into our next uh and you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier but the next form of grief that we can have that results from trauma is neglect from a parent or Mm -hmm. caregiver so this can literally mean you weren't fed you weren't didn't have uh, clothes that were clean for school um you know you were unable to like clean yourself in some way, not held, right? Because that physical touch from a caregiver um, is important from day one. And there's a really interesting study on that, mm-hmm. but I can touch on that a little bit later. Not um, not being seen by our caregivers. So that doesn't mean physically seen. That means emotionally seen. That's mm-hmm. identity seen. So let's say that, um, you know, you grew up and you, you know, you realize the gender you were born with, the body you were born with is not who you are, right? And if you have parents who maybe are against that sort of thing or, you know, don't acknowledge that, for example, you're not seen by them. Your identity is invalidated in that way. Um, And when we're not acknowledged for our accomplishments, our thoughts, right, our personality, children can really not only lose that sense of self because they may never have that because of how they grew up. So again, questioning, questioning who they are, this can and this carries on into adulthood. Mm-hmm. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, this identity or this, you know, hobby that I have is, you know, not good enough. So questioning our own decision making. So kind of back to that gaslighting piece and, you know, maybe not feeling safe advocating for ourselves. So it can be anything from really like having your the core of your identity being dismissed, whether that's gender mm-hmm. identity or sexual identity mm-hmm. um, or all the way to just like, no, you're not sad. So having just your emotions yeah. just or stop being sad. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Car- no, don't cry. Boys, yep. don't cry. Don't yep. carry on. Grandparents die, you know, yeah. da, 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 like just deal with it kind of thing. And um, a real quick example is I had a client in the past that um, was very much emotionally and physically neglected in our home. And that the thing is, is when we grow up that way, that's our reality. That's our basis for the world. That's how we think all parents treat us. Um, however, she started like going to friends' houses. She started noticing like, oh, this isn't actually right the way I grew up. So she had a really hard time grieving about the loss of her childhood. She felt robbed. So that trauma inducing that grief. That also comes up for clients um, when they have their own children and they have the experience of unconditionally loving their own children and then realizing that that wasn't what Mm -hmm. was provided to them in their Mm -hmm. uh, childhood. And that Mm -hmm. can trigger a deep sense of grief and loss. Yeah. So the next thing um, that we can talk about here is – Parents who disappear on us. Mm. So that's another one. So let's say you're growing up in a moderately okay household. But then um, 
I've had clients before where their parents just kind of decided, like, no, I'm going to do this other thing. I'm going to leave you with your dad or, you know, God forbid, like going to the foster system or something like that. So that kind of, you know, adds on to the last things that we were talking about. But being cut off from a caregiver that, you know, we're used to can mm-hmm. be really damaging, even if they weren't the greatest thing, right? It's like, where did this person go? Why did they give up on me? And I think sometimes there's resistance to grieving that loss because there's a hurt there that you want to say, well, you know, this person, they did, I don't, I didn't need them anyway. They didn't, they didn't mm-hmm. care about me, so I don't care about them. And yep. so I'm then that gonna, grief gets stuffed. Yeah, I'm just yeah. going to take on the world alone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, kind of adding on to this, um, another sense of grief is having your feelings disrupted or ignored. So this is often a traumatic event where people might not realize this even is one. So. Uh, for example, uh, many people, especially women, just because of how we're socialized in the workplace, right? Like thinking back to Mad Men, right? <laughs> that kind of like, okay, women can work, but look how sexualized you are. Look how much your opinions don't really matter. Um, you know, we weren't able to vote until, you know, only a, a decent handful of years ago, right? And even general, general, uh, generational trauma can come from that. So let's say you had a parent that, you know, grew up in an earlier generation. That's usually how it works with parents and children. But um, they learned, right, a woman is to be treated this way. A woman is looking for a husband to take care of her, that sort of thing. So then you're, that socialization continues on. So that can cause grief that, can, you know, again, because our feelings might be disrupted or ignored. Our accomplishments might be disrupted or ignored just because of who the world says that we are, right? And that extends, obviously, into other populations as well. But. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So since I am a relationship therapist, when we were putting this show together, I wanted to think about uh, how grief shows up in relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it and it kind of shows up in the same way that it does for individuals. But then you have two people uh, who are processing this kind of grief. Um, so some of the examples that I thought of would be the loss of a job if if one of the partners loses a job and the grief that they are going through individually and then what it's like what if that that job loss was the primary earner in the family yeah, that's that going to be a family loss family of financial loss financial security within the relationship yep um loss of a of a child or a parent or mm-hmm. a loved one mm-hmm. a pet even could mm-hmm. trigger significant grief something you mentioned earlier in the show uh, an infidelity mhm death of the dream and what the relationship what I thought the relationship was maybe wasn't Mm -hmm. what it actually was or what I thought it could be wasn't exactly what it turned out to be um this is a big one is infertility couples who have the dream of having children and either that's very complicated and they aren't able to have and so it takes a lot of extra effort and medical intervention to have a child um or they're not able to have children that 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 is a difficult struggle and there's a lot of grief that comes with that. Yeah, absolutely. This is what I was going to do. I was going to have 2.5 kids and all of that, and this was going to be their names. And now, unfortunately, I'm just not able to do that. My body or my partner's body, right, just can't mm-hmm. function in that way, and that's a huge, huge loss. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last one I thought of was illness, and I was thinking about the book that I thought was really good by Lori Gottlieb, You Should Talk to Somebody, and she, one of the mm-hmm. case studies that she has in this book is about a woman who has cancer and dies in her late 30s, and so and, and the, what her and her husband go through in that process. And so an illness, mm-hmm. of course, that's going to be not only the physical loss of your partner, but the dream of what you thought the relationship was going to be is going to, to take a turn, and yeah. that there will be, whether the person recovers or not, there's going to be an adjustment that comes with that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I don't really think that we can talk about grief without uh, mentioning Elizabeth Elizabeth Kubler Ross. Oh yes, yes. Okay. she is the authority. Mm-hmm. And if you are struggling with grief and you want some insight on death and dying, as her book, and it is definitely a must read. And she was a Swiss-American psychiatrist and a pioneer in near-death studies and then, of course, the author of On Death and Dying. And she came up with a model for grieving, uh, which is referred to as the Kubler-Ross model. And so, Michelle, what can you break this down for us? What are the five steps that she comes up with? Yeah, great question. So uh, we often hear about these five stages of grief that people go through. So number one is denial, and that's a conscious or unconscious refusal to accept the facts, right? And this isn't, none of this is bad. None of this is shame, right? But gosh, did my parent really die? Did my pet really die? This thing, 
thing. <laughs> this people bless I pet owner, this wonderful creature, right, that used to be at my footsteps every single day is now gone. And so denial can help our brain. Denial is a function of our brains to kind of say, like, no, this didn't happen. You don't have to feel these things. Um, Even to bring that into what's happening right now, like, we're going to go back to normal pretty soon. We'll probably just in a couple yeah. weeks, things are going to go back to normal. This isn't really happening. This isn't going to affect me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I'm this age, whatever. I'm safe. And now, of course, we're seeing it doesn't matter what age we are. Yeah. So, um yeah absolutely so the next one can be anger right so our, we have so much so much emotional um things that are going on we're confused we are we might be just really oh my god did this really happen so sometimes we can snap at people sometimes um it can be a more um intense response with anger but you know acknowledging you're probably going to feel mad about this mad that that thing was robbed from you mad that you lost that job mad that you lost that partner right um, so anger is definitely one of them. And yeah. I think something important to mention with these five stages of grief is that not everyone's going to go through all five, right? This isn't like the model of everything you're going to experience. Done with one. Yep, off I know, right? Ready yeah. for some anger. Um, <laughs> so, um, you but know, it's a good framework to look yes. at it. In. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And if you are angry to know that that's this is part of the process. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's nothing I can do about it. Maybe I've lost my my pet or parent or partner or whatever and I don't even know who I'm mad at but I Mm -hmm. am very mad and that's Mm -hmm. okay that's a normal part of Mm -hmm. the grieving process yeah and I think that's really important and I think it's side note I think it's really important that we're doing this show because um there's not a lot of um language I think in our culture or you know specific rituals or honoring um people that pass away or grief and loss in general so um, I actually lost a parent last summer very unexpectedly, and I was kind of surprised how people didn't understand the grieving process. There wasn't enough language for, you know, support, right? I, I even, you know, I, I work somewhere else, and I work with therapists, right? And it was like, oh, everyone's kind of, like, skating around this because mm-hmm. we don't know how to say it. We don't have enough information. We don't know how to witness it in the right way. So um, these things can come up. So, And I think, you know, even the most well, because we don't talk about this in our culture, uh-huh. it's, it's, you know, even in I used to work in disability claims. If somebody close to you dies, you get three days of disability. Oh, yeah. yeah. Get, I, I <laughs> think I on. had, like, 1.5... What do you call it? Um, like bereavement time. Bereavement like, time. Thank you. One. Po- I, I'm good. Yeah. I'm not gonna hop back on a plane and get right back we to work. We just don't. You know? We don't. You know, there's some cultures that all wear black and mourn for a year, and mm-hmm. you know, and and religious traditions that really honor the dying process and the grieving process. But in American culture, we don't really do that. Mm-hmm. So people don't know what to do or say, which makes them uncomfortable. And so a lot of times they're trying to manage their own discomfort, and in doing that, they make the person who's grieving feel diminished yes yeah, yeah not validated you know they they can have anger around like what maybe you're experiencing so anyway the next one is bargaining laura can you touch on that a little bit more so we're trying to kind of start to make a deal with somebody about how you know maybe maybe it's god whoever your higher power is that okay well i know i have cancer maybe i have terminal cancer but i'm just going to like i promise if i i'll drink green juice every day and i'll and I'll yeah. be a good person and I'll make amends Hopefully with everyone I've ever wronged. And mm-hmm. like and so you're bargaining, please don't let this happen. Or, you yep. know, if my if my loved one is dying and I don't I'm I'm trying to think of deals in my mind of what I will do if this just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right, exactly. I would give anything to, you know, not have this experience. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And all the changes that you'd be willing to make to to change that. Mm-hmm. And again, this is very this is a natural part of the process our brain is trying to adjust to what is happening and it's going through steps of making that adjustment so Mm -hmm. bargaining is going to be the next one Mm -hmm. so number four is depression or also referred to as uh, preparatory grieving so um and that can kind of attach to um anticipatory grief so when we know somebody is going to pass away soon when we know we might be losing a job soon like let's say we have a parent that's um ill for cancer for several years right we're in that stage of i know i'm going to lose them i know i'm going to lose them that sort of thing um so um and that can prompt depression that can cause a lot of sadness Mm -hmm. and i think even that this stage of grieving is showing up for us right now uh with this Mm -hmm. pandemic where we have been in denial about it oh this isn't really happening to being mad I don't want to have to wear a mask Mm -hmm. to okay well when is this going to be over what could I do to help for this to be over I'm going to keep washing my hands and Uh, everything's going to be fine yeah 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 yeah. and do that (laughs) we're not saying don't do this do all those things (laughs) 
But and then to depression, you know, like, God, is this really what this is? Is this really what the world is going to be like, Mm -hmm. you know, and feeling that and kind of accepting that sense of loss. So you're not you're no longer resisting it. You're Mm -hmm. you're bummed out about it. But you kind of get to this place where you you can't uh, you accept that this is what happened and you can't change it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a fifth step um, in grief uh, acceptance. Right. And we talked about this in an earlier episode. We don't have to like what we're accepting. But once we say, OK, this is happening. Right. We can start to work with that and we can start to process that. So I would like to add on here a sixth stage of grief. There mm-hmm. is a really great book. It's called Anxiety, the Missing Stage of Grief, a revolutionary approach to understanding and healing the impact of loss. So another one of those really long titles. Um, But this is written by Claire Bidwell-Smith, and it's a great book for right now. I think we talked in our last episode about anxiety, so how this can prompt for us as well. So we touched on depression, but anxiety can also be a stage. And again, you know, this is a great framework. Some of us might not feel every single one of these. We might go out of order, right? We might start with anger, then go down to depression and back up to denial or whatever it is. So allowing yourself to feel grief however it comes up for you expressing it however it comes up for you and just showing yourself compassion around that well that's a lot i think maybe we should take a break so uh we will be right back where we will continue to talk about grief and how we process and accept grief and you're listening to holding ground on kknw what is hope hope to me was just that he would get to come home i had no idea how hard it would be once he got back I wish she'd stop drinking so much. She thinks it's helping, but it's not. I hope she sees that soon. I act like I don't care if he comes to my games, but I hope he does. I used to hope he'd find happiness again. Now I hope our marriage makes it. I hope Grandpa will get help. He thinks it's too late, but it's not. With everything that he's going through, I hope he sees a counselor. I just want my brother back. I hoped he'd get help. Stop hoping things would get better on their own. He told me to stop asking. I didn't. Then one day he asked for a ride. Hope is knowing there are other families just like yours, that the veterans they love got help and recovered. Go to maketheconnection.net and turn hope into action. Do you make a positive difference in the world? Do you have a talent, philosophy, base of knowledge, product or service that you know could help a lot of people if only you could reach them? Join Alternative Talk 1150's family of broadcasters and start walking down a fruitful path as host of your very own program. Dial 425-653-1150 and find out just how affordable it can be to have a show on 1150 AM. That's 425-653-1150. Alternative Talk, we have an opportunity waiting just for you. Thanks for tuning in to our brand new show, Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, founder of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, the co-host of Holding Ground, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Our passion, our one big thing in life, above and beyond love, relationships, trauma, addiction, and healing, our specialty is helping others. Every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150kknw. Welcome back to Holding Ground. And today we're talking about grief in all of its different forms. It's not just for death. There are a lot of things that we can be grieving right now. And it's very important to our mental health to be able to identify when we are grieving, especially now. So, Michelle... We also are going to talk about something very important that can trigger grief that sometimes people don't realize, and that was... So this can definitely come from trauma. Um, So negative self-beliefs, and we talk about this on the show kind of often, but these are the things, again, that get us really stuck. So what traumatic experience, what adverse life experience caused us to create these um, incorrect narratives about ourselves? So if we go through trauma of maybe losing someone right we can develop that um negative belief of you know people will always leave me Mm -hmm. um or if we've had traumatic um upbringing and then you know sometimes we end up in relationships after that that look familiar because okay i know this i know trauma i know anger and that sort of thing i know being left alone all of this stuff is my normal so even though we know that's not healthy we can go into familiar Um, situation so and then those things can end or go really badly so someone can develop the negative self-belief of getting close to others isn't safe Mm -hmm. um you know also kind of stemming off of those i will i'll ultimately be abandoned i'm not good enough um 
So the negative self beliefs, I think, are are the aspect of that are the are the thing that can get us really stuck in grief. So yeah. instead of processing grief and moving forward, when we get stuck in negative beliefs, we really just stay in that grief. So maybe mm-hmm. I was abandoned by a child as a child by a caretaker, um, or maybe I was uh, abandoned in an early relationship in my life. And like you said, I developed that belief that it's not safe to be close to people. Mm-hmm. And that belief keeps me stuck in the grief of that experience, that I'm not able to move forward to what I actually want, which is to be close to someone, to have a connected relationship with somebody. And so the grief, I don't process it or move through it. I just stay in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that can cause future grief, right? Because, mm-hmm. again, that lost opportunity thing. If I'm fearing, you know, it's not safe to get close to others, there's healthy people out there. There's healthy relationships. But if you're stuck in that negative belief that could have come from grief or that negative belief from somewhere else is causing that grief. So yeah. um, very important to point out, again, these things can get us so stuck that it limits our behavior. It um, ruins our focus that, you know, like a self-esteem one can make us feel like, Okay, well, I'm not attracted enough to get a partner or I'm not smart enough to get in a partner, a partner. So then what happens? And we grieve that loss of connection yeah. that um, we maybe could have had in life. So and it's interesting that sometimes those things that we're grieving and where we get stuck in that grief, it, it gets buried deep and we might not even be aware of it. And EMDR yes. and hypnotherapy are both modalities that we use at uh, Anchor Light to help people access some of these negative belief systems mm-hmm. that are keeping them stuck mm-hmm. and help them look at them and reframe them and see them in a different way to help them process them and move forward. Yeah. yeah. Another therapy, if you know, folks don't want to do EMDR and they want to focus on talk therapy, I use cognitive processing therapy. So that's a little bit different than cognitive behavior because therapy, which, you know, a lot of people are focused on right now and like doing that kind of changes our behaviors that come out of thoughts and beliefs. But this really challenges those negative thoughts. So it's a huge process of okay well what's the thought that prompts this belief okay what's the evidence for this belief you know is this some sort of mind reading and really breaking those things down and then coming up with some alternative thoughts so that's definitely something um, that can process that too and I think with losing somebody somebody who is sick um, if we say that loss of job um, you know came up for us a loss of a relationship we can develop a negative self-belief of I didn't do enough I should have done more to make this better um, and so if I didn't do enough I should have done more that can keep us really stuck in that grief of loss yeah yeah yeah, yeah and you're actually your mind is is trying to look for solutions and that's why it's focusing on that thought but mm-hmm. if if they're really you know in terms of somebody passing away most times there really wasn't anything that we could do right you know if I had been there to take that phone call if I had told them not to drive the car we can't know those things so right um right. you know you're looking for solutions but it's actually keeping mm-hmm. you stuck you know and I also think that as I, I use hypnotherapy in my practice and that I very much believe in the power of suggestion and we're yeah. constantly saying to ourselves you know maybe I had a toxic experience at work and I'm grieving the loss of a job if I believe I'm, I wasn't a good employee I wasn't good enough I'm that's going to be a self-fulfilling process prophecy I'm probably going to keep recreating that experience until yes. I change that belief <laughs> I love that self-fulfilling prophecy right this this relationship's going to end, so sometimes we do things to make it end or, you know, in those sort of ways, too. If we think that these things are going to happen, sometimes we do things to perpetuate that, yeah. maybe even unintentionally. So Yeah, yeah. and that is the reason why we want to have as many as po- – we're going to have the whole range of uh, human emotions, but we want to be able to focus on some positive thoughts and some positive outcomes because ultimately that's what helps us create positive mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So if you have been struggling with grief or loss uh, in your life and you want a little bit of help on uh, moving through that, uh, getting to that acceptance piece or just somebody to talk to about it, again, yeah. you can come see us. Me and yeah. Michelle are at Anchor Light Therapy and you can go to anchorlighttherapy.com, do one of our uh, complimentary consultations and see how we can help you. We've all got all kinds of tools in our tool bag to help people yeah. process grief. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Check us out. Well, thank you for listening to Holding Ground. We're here every Monday on KKNW talking about all things in the realm of therapy and mental health. And we'll see you next Monday. Yes, thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Holding Ground. You can find us here every Monday morning at 9 a.m. I'm Laura Richer, owner of Anchor Light Therapy Collective. And I'm Michelle Mooney, a therapist at Anchor Light Therapy Collective. Find us online at anchorlighttherapy.com. We'll see you next week.